everybody, and welcome into this episode of Chamber Chat Live here on Facebook and podcast, if you consume it that way. My name is Bill Vitiello. I'm the Director of Institutional Relationships and the Director of Marketing for the Victory Bank in Limerick. Again, welcome. Uh, so glad you're here with us. And uh, we apologize we didn't get la to last Wednesday's episode. Uh, we had some heavy technical difficulties, and we just had a small window there to execute through the uh, StreamYard link. So uh, we will bring our guest, Drew Leck. He will be back uh, either at the end of this season or perhaps even the beginning of next season. He does have some exciting things uh, to share with the community, but you also need to hear his story too, which is really cool. Uh, can't wait to interview him. So again, welcome into this episode. Eileen, how you doing? I'm good, Bill. How are you? Happy I'm Monday. I, I, happy Monday to you as well. Um, I guess this um, could be a week of uh, how hot is it jokes if we really wanted is, to. We could do that. Yes. Yeah. Since my uh, bear jokes were so bad on the last episode, I'm going to refrain <laughs> from doing any heat heat related jokes. So <laughs> I didn't hear any comments. So people not, they didn't think they were that bad. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. You know, so. All right, so you have the president's desk, and uh, before we continue, we'll let everybody know that this is going to be the last president's desk for season six, uh, because Correct. you are going away on vacation, which is a much needed R&R, <laughs> &R, hopefully, um, yes. vacation, and then uh, we have some other scheduling conflicts through the remainder of the season. So we can't wait to uh, see what you got for season seven. Can you believe it? Um, yes. And also a new feature that goes along with the president, <laughs> which you and I talked about, which I thought was pretty cool. So, yes. Um, but go ahead. I'll turn it over to you. What do you have from the president's desk today? Thank you. So I think this is actually a good topic to talk about with you uh, on screen. So I don't know. A lot of our members are familiar that we share some tips from these handy dandy little books. And as we get ready to go back into in-person networking events, I thought it would be a good opportunity to share with our listeners uh, a networking tip that uh, is from this book. So one of the things that we try and explain to new members specifically that come into the organization is how to properly network. Uh, and one of the tips actually number two in this book is called Become a Super Connector. Great networkers enjoy connecting people. The secret of positive networking, discovering what you can do for someone else is part of their DNA, their dynamic networking ability. When they find out what that something is, it's not enough to think about it, they do it. Work the Pond calls this high-level awareness network Sheepa. So one of the things that I just wanted to touch on today is, again, it's not about the sale, it's about the relationship. So I would encourage people as we go through July and we go through August and we get ready for the start of chamber events again, uh, really kind of back into the regular momentum in September, that maybe they wanna work on brushing up on their network uh, a little bit before they start seeing people in person. So again, I think you've even mentioned this on a prior chamber chat while we were going through uh, you know, these last 15 months of the pandemic, you know, really reaching out and saying, what can I do for you? You know, it's not about that sale and what you need out of that person. It can also be what you might be able to do for them because that's the relationship that will last. Uh, and that's when it, somebody comes back to you when they do think of possibly needing your service. Because again, we all know people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Uh, and the only way to really build that up 
is to really become that super connector and really have people see value in being connected to you. And I know you are a super connector. Uh, you're very good at that. People have um, mentioned it several times. I think some people have even mentioned it on the show. Uh, and, you know, even through social channels like LinkedIn, you know, same process is uh, available and you can use tools like that to even do it. It doesn't have to be in person, uh, but sending person an email, uh, you know, even if you see an article somewhere that would pertain to a particular industry and you know you have a connection in that industry and you think it might be something of interest to them, pop it off in an email, link them to that article, you know, just as an extra touch. Uh, and I, again, I just encourage people to take the next two months and maybe set a goal for yourself to do one of those uh, a week, even uh, just to kind of get yourself ramped up again for September and kind of extending those relationships uh, until you can meet and in person. That's such a great point that you read. I feel like this could be an episode in and of itself. Uh, and I appreciate the compliment that you paid to me being a super connector, but I have to tell you, and, I, and again, if, if this is any incentive for some chamber members out there, I, I wasn't always a super connector. Um, I started out actually really aggressive in, uh, in some of the chambers that I was a part of. And I'm like, well, who can I introduce you to? Or who can you introduce <laughs> to me? And hey, did you know we had a, you know, X account and so on and so forth. And I just, I, it came to a point in time where I, I got it. Like it was all about relationships. Okay. And I think that other part of being a super connector kind of came naturally as, as time went on. So I'm happy to do that. And I would encourage folks, if you have any reservations about going to these events or you feel uncomfortable or don't know how to quite approach it, contact somebody from the chamber, contact mm -hmm. me. You can send me an email, give me a call, whatever you want to do. Um, and I'll make sure that you integrate nicely into the group or to the networking events and uh, we can just kind of take it from there. And again, you know, just to kind of uh, shout out to you previously uh, as an ambassador and our current uh, five ambassadors that we have, you know, that's why those individuals you know, are part of our chamber events because they themselves have connections. Uh, and if we can connect them immediately to a new member who's attending their first event, and they can help introduce that person to their own connections. Uh, you know, it just helps that new member have a better experience. Yep, abs absolutely. Such a great point to bring up. Thank you so much, Eileen. Not a problem. What, what Thank else you for you your time. Oh, no, that's, that's it? it. I just wanted to check All in. Right. You know, event calendar is going to be slow over the summer. Uh, so I really didn't want to focus on any specific events. Just wanted to share that tip as we move into a couple months of a summer break and Again, just wanted to people to get used to that networking again and kind of ramp themselves up. So that That's is it. all. I'm signing off. <laughs> For the last time on season six. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, enjoy your time off. Uh, we Thank have it under much. control here. So I know you do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank have you a so great much. day, everybody. We'll see you later. Stay hydrated. <laughs> All right, everybody, such a great tip from Eileen there. Again, that could be an episode in and of itself, and maybe we will make that one. Uh, maybe we'll uh, bring on another super connector for uh, season seven. We'll see how it goes. Uh, so my next guest, uh, Drew, if you'd be kind enough to bring him in here, is from Deschelle, Bartle, and Dooley. Uh, his name is John Young. John, welcome to Chamber Chat. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Uh, ab absolutely. And this is so great because we've had actually several of your fellow attorneys uh, on the Chamber Chat 
you guys are bringing a tremendous value to the chamber talking about a whole host of different topics. Uh, can you give us an idea of what you're talking about today, please? Uh, I just wanted to take a few moments and talk about, uh, I don't know, the outline of, of Pennsylvania employment law for businesses of all types from both sides, employee and employer perspectives. And that's 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 great. Uh, John, if you have an opportunity to move a little bit closer to your mic, maybe that would be helpful so we can hear you a little bit okay. better. Does that help? Yes, helps a little bit. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, so employment law is extremely important, obviously, as business owners. And we're also navigating quite a bit right now, um, coming out of the pandemic. Uh, so, so tell me, is there something particularly trending? Or did you want to start somewhere with the law that you wanted to explain to us? Well, it's it's a multi layered subject. So it's sort of dependent on the understanding of your audience. But I'll presume uh, everybody in the business world understands that Pennsylvania is an at will employment state. And unless you're in a union or have a performance contract, you work at the will uh, of your employer and your employee is also not bound. It's an open market in that sense. There are some uh, uh, exceptions to that, uh, public policy exceptions, uh, any discriminatory practice by a protected class or against a protected class, uh, and certain public policy exceptions, environmental workers' compensation, but by and large, uh, it really is a day-to-day at-will uh, sort of context that you view unless you're in a union or you have some sort of uh, uh, direct employment contract as a physician, a dentist, a dental hygienist or something like that. That's the general overlay of what we're talking about. And then I wanted to talk about a couple other topics, COBRA, ERISA, uh, just an outline of workers' comp and some general UC stuff and ending up with the calls that I'm getting now as I did nowadays related to the pandemic and uh, I guess vaccination standards and such in employment. Yeah, and I think so. So, John, we're still having a little bit of issue with your volume, but but stay right there. Fine. Don't do anything. I'm actually going to okay. speak a little bit lower. So anybody who is on the podcast or listening, you can turn up your speakers a little bit. I promise I won't uh, blast you out here. Uh, so, John, you wanted to first talk about let's let's talk about maybe what's in front of us here and the pandemic um, to talk about some of the nuances with the vaccinations and what employers can and can't do, please. Um, well, as always, attorneys are useless in uh, the immediacy of the moment. It takes us a long time to sort of uh, litigate and then appeal and come up with digestible rules. Um, but the standard has been both in an educational setting with kids and vaccines and hospitals and generally businesses that if a vaccine had been approved by the FDA, it was legitimate and understandable that it could be mandated as a uh, prerequisite for or uh, uh, a mandatory give for continued employment. Uh, the strange situation is all the COVID-19 vaccination Vaccinations have been uh, distributed under an emergency use authorization, which means they do not have full FDA approval. Despite that, I see that uh, several of the big pharmaceuticals, and I interact because of my practice with a lot of big hospitals, they've mandated the vaccine. Um, they've had some people contest that, uh, 
without great success. Yeah, and I would imagine from the employer's perspective, obviously, you would want your staff vaccinated. I mean, we got to get back to business as usual here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people have distinct rationales. Uh, certainly the medical or scientific questioning of such a requirement is, doesn't appear will fly in the appellate courts. Of course, the constitutional angle, if you had a religious uh, objection, that may be something that would be sustained. But generally, I think they're going to allow the mandating of vaccines, at least in an at-will employment context, which so is most of us. Yeah. So in your dealings with a lot of your uh, area business owners, are you finding that the majority of their staff is getting vaccinated? Uh, yes. But even in law firms, we have a couple people, one who uh, in my firm who indicates they have uh, been advised by their physician as to some pre-existing comorbidities and they have concerns. Uh, uh, but to be honest, uh, for the success and, and uh, restoration of a positive business climate, we all really have to strive towards herd immunity. Uh, maybe that's preaching, but I apologize. Now, don't, don't apologize because there's so many information points here. I mean, you know, we could also, you know, say that the folks that aren't vaccinated now, apparently the Delta variant is kind of working its way through that community. Um, you know, so there's very real things out here. It's it's not it's not a political statement. It's you know, we're again, we're, we're dealing with the issues that are in front of us here. Um, so you're, was, was that all you wanted to talk about the uh, vaccines or was there anything more? It's evolving, but I guess this is uh, to cut to the quick. Uh, the common sense view of the employer is going to be by and large uh, upheld. So if someone comes to you with a really valid exception, okay. But other than that, I would think that mandating I know that the largest hospital in Philadelphia has, uh, despite reservations by some of their employees. Right. Okay. All right, good. Well, like you said, that will probably continue to evolve and we'll get more information and more scenarios, right? <laughs> yeah, let's hope it's uh, information and appellate cases that are never used again for the next hundred years. Yeah, yes. <laughs> All right, so what about, you also mentioned, uh, you wanted to talk about COBRA. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's relatively simplistic law that has uh, a lot of misunderstandings surrounding it. Um, COBRA just requires, uh, the continuation of health benefits after a COBRA event. Um, maybe the death of the employee to his family, if they were covered under your health insurance, uh, uh, obviously the termination or end of employment, uh, but a lot of people don't know that reaching Medicare status could theoretically give you the ability to sever your employee from your health plan to the extent that they had an alternative uh, basis for health care under Medicare. Um, and uh, the only guidance given by the federal government with regards to regulations are it's 18 to 34 months, 36 months, excuse me, 18 month minimum where they get the ability to participate in the health plan at the same premium rate. Um, with them, of course, uh, at their option, footing the full bill where, where normally the employer is paying a great portion during the, uh, the term of employment. Mm -hmm. So I would um, go ahead. 
Oh, that's all right. Go ahead. I was just going to say we're about halfway through uh, the episode here. If anybody has any comments or questions for John, he's here. He's available to answer them. Uh, I'll be able to read them to you, John, if they uh, do wind up popping on here. So, uh, again, you have a subject matter expert, an attorney here with the Shell, Bartle, and Dooley. So uh, go ahead, John. What, uh, you wanted to continue. Let's, uh, let's jump around a little bit and talk about, uh, I guess, what I consider the spectrum of things that come to me typically in the employment law context. Mm-hmm. Over time, uh, there are massive misperceptions about the Fair Labor Standards Act and overtime. It applies to the payment uh, of wages for hours in excess of a 40-hour work week. It doesn't apply to Saturdays, Sundays, or holidays. That's something that has sort of been uh, misperceived. Um, it applies uh, to non-exempt employees, which means typically uh, non-salaried employees, but certainly employees that are making executive or managerial decisions. Um, uh, The criteria is not as clear as you would think, but basically if the person has the power to spend the company's money uh, without uh, permission, uh, they're probably not uh, entitled to overtime. They're they're an exempt employee. Uh, uh, It's funny, even when someone asks uh, at their own uh, volition, uh, could I work Saturday to finish this job or I'd be willing to work, I don't care about the overtime and all that. Unfortunately, the federal government uh, isn't as understanding as that. I had a uh, a Pennsylvania Dutchman, an Amishman, who asked for Saturday work uh, and said he would do it at straight time when the employer said he couldn't afford it. Uh, and actually... They were audited by the Fair Labor Standards Wage and Hour Division in Philadelphia. And he, the employer, you know, is just an innocent machine shop operator, uh, was forced to pay him the overtime. Where the honest, the Amish Dutchman was so honest, he said he wouldn't take it. I had to beg him to take the check to end the case. I said, give him to the church, do anything, because the feds won't stop pounding this poor guy. Right. And that's eventually what happened. So it's. It's very gray and bureaucratic. Mm-hmm. And see, folks, this is why you need a subject matter expert to navigate this kind of stuff. Uh, believe me, as a business owner, I know there's there's so many different uh, tentacles in your business, whether you know, you're worried about inventory or it's marketing or personnel. You know, this is just one of those tentacles that you have to put out there. And again, having a subject matter, matter, matter expert like John available uh, is really, really good. Uh, we're pulling up your website now here, uh, John. Uh, I know you have a very competent team of individuals who can navigate you know, most areas of the, if not all, of the uh, areas of business practice. I mean, I see there, you know, employment law, uh, workers' compensation, personal injury, business law. Very true. All right. What else uh, would you like to chat about? What was the next topic that you wanted to discuss there? Uh, let's talk about workers' compensation. That's probably one of the more common employment uh, pitfalls. Um, workers' compensation has changed dramatically over the decades since I've been involved. Uh, it applies to an injury that happens in the course of employment. Uh, the deal that was sort of cut in the Industrial Revolution uh, in the early 1900s in Pennsylvania was 
the employee would give uh, would limit his benefit in exchange for the employer's right uh, to claim it was the employee's negligence. So it's a no fault process. There are exceptions: intoxication, deliberate uh, violation of a work rule. Don't you know? Always clean up the spilled oil on the on the garage floor. Maybe maybe. Uh, an injury includes an, uh, an aggravation, a permanent worsening of somebody's bad back, even if they came in with a bad back. Um, the controls uh, that have been broadened for the employer are that after the uh, injury, first of all, you should really have a, a posted panel of potential treating physicians because since 95, you control the first 90 days of treatment with reliable doctors of the employer's choice. And you should also mandate an absolute rule that they must report the injury before their end of the shift. Um, just giving you some degree of assurance that it did happen on the job. Um, after the night, they used to, uh, used to be a binary thing where you had to accept the claim or not. Now you can accept it in a temporary way. Um, you should be uh, conversant with your insurance company to sort of understand their claims practice. And there are ways to, to mitigate premiums by creating safety committees and things like, of that nature. Boy, that notification tip is a big one. I remember, so I used to work in the supermarket industry and it was very active. Uh, there was ovens and mixers and slicers and pallet, you know, compactors and so on and so forth very very active uh scene and uh clearly remember as a manager making sure that i hit those points but your point about reporting it by the end of the shift is a really really good one yeah i've um on both sides i've been in uh situations where the monday morning reported back injury uh is i don't know nebulous Hopefully it's not related to a uh, pickup football game in the neighborhood or, um, but you never know. Right. Well, with social media nowadays, you never know what you wind up finding out, right? Wow. Do you, the, the pitfalls of social media is a whole another presentation, yep. but it's very true. And, uh, there seems to be some inability of, uh, many of the young to understand that it is, uh, broadcast in such a universal way. Sure. Sure. All right, so that was workers' compensation. Uh, what else did you want to chat about? Um, let's talk about unemployment compensation and its strange permutations over the COVID period. Obviously, a thing that always kind of confused me, and I was a human for, I don't know, about 35 years before I became an attorney. So <laughs> that works you, made, you made the attorney joke, not me. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I, I beat you to it. Yep. Anyway, um, unemployment is dependent on two factors. One, did you pay in financial determination? And two, what was the nature of your separation from your latest job? So you could move on voluntarily from working in the shoe factory and get fired from the construction company you left that job for two weeks later, and you would be ineligible to the extent your firing was the result of willful misconduct, even though you had accrued, you know, years of uh, unemployment compensation benefits at your prior employer. 
Um, you really have to understand the nature of termination. And if, and if you're really seeking to limit the unemployment, which often I tell employers not to, it's a, it's a relief valve that's cheaper than lawyers and litigation. Um, make sure that your termination is explicit. We told you 18 times and you continued in your inappropriate behavior, not we're letting you go because we don't believe your performance is, because that's going to fall in that catch-all that doesn't uh, meet the definition of willful misconduct. And a firing will, a layoff certainly will, a job elim elimination certainly will, but even a firing that is not based in willful misconduct is is a valid reason to receive unemployment compensation benefits. Do you do you recommend the business, John? Do you recommend the business um, use some sort of uh, template or structure? Maybe it's outlined in their handbook to address these different issues. So there's kind of very clear steps along the way. I think that's a really great idea. Um, and if you have touch points which are uh, absolutes as to behavior or as to work rules, they really should be outlined. Uh, certainly, if you want to contest an unemployment compensation claim later down the line, um, if you show it in the work in the handbook, and if you acknowledge a receipt by a signature, I have reviewed the handbook upon employment. Uh, you're going to have a lot easier time. <clears throat> gotcha. And I know, I know some of the folks who are watching are probably solopreneurs, right? Who <laughs> have their own business. They're just a, a one person shop, but you know, as time goes on, you grow the business, then all of a sudden you have employees. This is excellent stuff to pay attention to. And again, folks like John, um, you bring them in to uh, consult for you. So, um, just have a few more moments left, John, what else would you like to chat about? Um, at times, it seems uh, that today's most uh, uh, difficult employment issue is the uh, obtaining of employees from the, the signs I see in Burks, Chester, and Monco up there. Uh, the, the bonuses, the, you know, uh, just unbelievable advertisements on, on 422 on the turnpike. Uh, I don't envy someone. I know that we as a law office have had uh, great problems and I hope it's a temporary blip. Um, I do know that the supplemental, a federal supplemental uh, in Pennsylvania uh, will only be applied to the PUA claims. PUA was pandemic unemployment assist assistance. That was basically for the gig employees that couldn't prove uh, a fixed source of uh, employment income. So hopefully things will moderate as the summer goes, because it certainly seems that there are a lot of unfilled positions at every level. Um, and I hope that's not uh, something that sustains. Is there a time frame uh, that's ending that supplemental? Um, Things change in Congress nowadays. I guess the expectation is that the supplemental will exist to the end of the year. I think almost 25 states have rejected it out of hand as of July 1. We have not. We're not applying it to people that got unemployment uh, 
basic unemployment based on their earnings, uh, non-gig earnings, non-Uber, uh, non-traditional uh, earnings, I guess would be a better word. Uh, but we are allowing it to be applied to people uh, in that context. Um, I don't see it as a particular positive. You know, I don't want to be political, but sometimes I think you have to ask yourself whether you're, uh, people are going to do the rationally economic thing. And if they can make 20 bucks an hour to sit home, uh, regardless of their political beliefs, they will do that. And especially if they have kids and childcare and all that other stuff. Sure. I'm sympathetic. Sure. And I, and I am hearing a lot of that. And that's why I think the majority of this is happening. You know, the other part is the fact that they, you know, potentially don't want to expose themselves in the future to any type of pandemic, um, you know, type of scenario here. So like you, I'm hoping for a somewhat uh, smooth and quick resolve uh, to this. I know as a consumer, it certainly affects me. I know it, as business owners, it affects them. Um, it affects dreams and it affects operations and so on and so forth. So let's let's hope for a, a quicker recovery there. I do know that in, in in a just general context of personal injury, workers' compensation, absence, well, you're much younger than I, but work is good in a therapeutic sense. Um, work has value even above the economics, the social interaction, uh, there's been studies, psychiatric, medical, which have uh, constantly proved that factor. And if you're in the, the lawyering business, which involves people being out of the workforce for whatever reason, litigation or for the standard is if they're out greater than 24 months, the likelihood of them returning becomes much harder. Mm. So let's hope we wrap up here by the end of the year and and get on our way just and get on our yeah prayer get on our feet again absolutely well john thank you so much for joining today before we go uh, we had a nice message in from joe kincaid i'm looking off to the side here john is the best he represents me on several fronts as a business owner as well and a personal all-around great guy so it's a nice compliment there from joe thanks yeah. thanks again Appreciate the opportunity. No, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Again, you and your firm are providing a tremendous value to our business community here at the Chamber. So thank you again for being on today. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good day. Sure. Have a great day. Hold on just a moment there. Thanks, everybody, once again for tuning into this episode of Chamber Chat Live on Facebook and on podcast. My name is Bill Vitiello. I'm the Director of Institutional Relationships and the Director of Marketing for the Victory Bank in Limerick. And until we connect again, all my best. Bye for now.